Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Dr. Ross Green, welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs each Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. That's 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to make things better. Well, welcome to the program. We didn't air last Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, I took a little vacation. Actually, I worked. My family was on vacation. Um, but just working in another place felt like a little bit like a vacation, so that was pretty cool. Uh, I don't know, maybe you think of this program as a bit of a uh, vacation from um, all the stress and angst of parenting a challenging kid. It's hard. And it's uh, very worrisome to have a kid who's not doing well. But uh, that's why we do this program almost every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time to help you with your challenging son or daughter to help make things better. Um, And uh, if you've listened in before, you know that making things better means wearing certain lenses, the lenses of lagging skills and unsolved problems, getting organized, identifying the specific unsolved problems that are reliably and predictably setting in motion your child's challenging episodes, and getting good at plan B. And that's the hardest part. But uh, that's what this program is for, to help you get good at the hardest part. Uh, While acknowledging right up front parenting a child with social, emotional, and behavioral challenges is hard. Of course, it doesn't have to be super hard, but it's always going to be hard. It's a lot less hard if you're implementing collaborative problem solving. But I'm glad you've... uh, joined in on today's program, whether you're listening live or listening to the recorded version of the program, these are your 45 minutes. So if you're trying to do Plan B with your child at home and things are still not going very well, uh, I want to hear about it. I want to help you out. If you're having trouble with any aspect of doing Plan B, boy, that drilling for information part of the empathy step is hard. And getting your own concern on the table, that's the define the problem step, pretty hard. And brainstorming solutions, but not just any old solutions, solutions that are realistic, meaning both parties can do what they've agreed to, and mutually satisfactory, meaning that the concerns of both parties that you put so much work into getting on the table in the first two ingredients of Plan B, uh, those, those concerns have been addressed 
plan B is hard. Not doing plan B is harder, but plan B is hard. Once you get good at it, it's not that hard. If you're having trouble getting the folks at school to use collaborative problem solving, I want to hear about it. I want to help you out. If you're having trouble getting your co-parent or the grandparents or the hockey coaches or the, well, it's hockey season's close to being over, so we're going to turn our attention to soccer coaches and baseball coaches. If they're having trouble buying in, if they, as some coaches are, not all, think that plan A is the way to get better performance out of a soccer player or a baseball player, I want to hear about it. Um, I want to help you out. So this is your opportunity to kick back a little bit, call in if you feel like it, comment, ask questions, get the support you need, or just listen to what's going on with others who are using the or trying to use the collaborative problem-solving approach. Once again, if you want to call in, that number is 347-994-2981, 347-994-2981. As always, if you're not the type to call in, Feel free to send me a question electronically through the contact form on the Lives in the Balance website. That's www.lives with a v, livesinthebalance.org. How's it going with your challenging kid? Um, you got those lagging skills identified, so you've got the right lenses on. Um, if you don't, Go to the Lives in the Balance website if you feel like it and download. Go to the paperwork section and download the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems and get to know your child through the prism of lagging skills and unsolved problems. The top section of the ALSIP, as it's known, helps you get the right lenses on your challenging child is lacking some crucial skills in the general domains of flexibility, adaptability, frustration, tolerance, and problem solving. That's why when those skills are being demanded, your child doesn't look very good. None of us looks very good when the demands being placed upon us exceed our capacity to respond adaptively. That's when we all look bad. Why do challenging kids look bad more often? Because they're lacking crucial skills. So big important task number one is to figure out what those skills are. Get to know your kid. Big task number two, identify the specific situations, the specific conditions in which the demands being placed upon your child exceed your child's capacity to respond adaptively. That's the unsolved problems section of the ALSIP. That's why I called it the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. We're identifying lagging skills and unsolved problems. Unsolved problems help you identify in very specific terms the specific conditions under which your child is becoming challenging. Now you know why he's becoming challenging. The demands being placed upon him have exceeded his capacity to respond adaptively. But now you're identifying those very specific situations in which that is happening. Is it happening when you're asking your child to come in to dinner from watching TV? to come in from playing outside, starting to become that season two, depending on where you live, I guess. Homework, that an unsolved problem in your household? Boy, in my experience, that's, that's the runaway bestseller unsolved problem in North American households. Homework, 
You'd want to be more specific than that, though. It's probably not all homework, although it could be. It's some homework. Which homework? That's what you want to be specific about. Bedtime trouble? wonder why. I wonder what skills are being demanded of your child during bedtime that exceed his or her capacity to respond adaptively. Something about it. Getting up in the morning? Getting ready for school? All of these situations require skills. And it's because those skills are being demanded, and, of course, there's the other part that's necessary as well, because your child is lacking those skills, that challenging behavior is exhibited at those particular moments. Challenging kids aren't challenging every second of every waking hour. They're challenging sometimes under some conditions. Crucial task is to identify what those conditions are. So now what you've done is you've identified the unsolved problems that are in your child's pile of unsolved problems. Every challenging kid has a pile of unsolved problems that is reliably and predictably precipitating challenging episodes. What's the goal of intervention? Get those problems solved. How are you going to do that? Well, first of all, you're not going to be able to solve them all at once. You're going to have to you're going to be able to work on some, and the rest you're going to have to table for now. That's called Plan C. Plan C is when you're not doing anything about a particular unsolved problem right now because you've got bigger fish to fry. But if you're actually interested in getting a problem solved, now you've got two options. Plan A, that's where you're doing unilateral problem solving. Plan B, that's where you're doing collaborative problem solving. If you're doing Plan A, the only person whose concern is getting addressed is yours. And if a child especially a challenging one, if a challenging child's concern goes unaddressed or if you blow a challenging kid's concerns off the table, he's going to blow. He's going to get challenging. That's right. Plan A causes challenging behavior in challenging kids. Plus, it doesn't solve the problem durably because somebody's concern, the kid, somebody's concern went unaddressed, probably even unidentified. When you're doing plan A, unilateral problem solving, imposition of adult will, you're not gathering all that crucial information about what's getting in your kid's way in the first place, which means we still don't understand what's getting in your kid's way, which means that it won't be addressed, which means that that problem won't get solved. That's plan A. You can get away with plan A with a less challenging kid because less challenging kids have the skills to handle plan A, but challenging kids don't. Challenging kids are what I call plan A non-responders. You throw plan A at a kid who doesn't have the skills to handle plan A, well, there's your definition of when challenging behavior occurs. So... If you've listened to this program before, if you're familiar at all with the collaborative problem-solving approach, you know that my strong recommendation, if you're trying to solve a problem with a challenging kid, truth is this is what I recommend for not-so-challenging kids too, but for me it's imperative with a challenging one. If you're trying to solve a problem with a challenging kid, you want to be doing plan B. You want to be solving problems collaboratively. Well, that's the hard part. Doing plan B is hard, real hard. Uh, 
although once you get used to it, it's not so hard. I don't know if it's ever easy. You know, there's things about the kid that might make it hard. Some kids are so hyperactive and inattentive and impulsive that it's hard to engage them in plan B, but it, it can be done. Often in brief doses it can be done, but it can be done. Some kids are very black and white, literal, concrete thinkers. I can't think of a population of kids who need plan B worse than the concrete, literal, black and white ones. One, somebody asked me a question this morning. One of the people I was working with this morning asked me, if the, if the kid doesn't have the skills, if the kid is really black and white, then how can he participate in plan B? Well, let me rephrase the question. Well, plan A is going to cause him to be even more black and white. Plan A is when you're going black and white on a kid who's already black and white. You remember the math equation, if you do, from earlier renditions of the explosive child. Inflexibility plus inflexibility equals explosion. Now, the best way to help a kid be more flexible is not to be inflexible ourselves, but to, well, to teach them how to be grayer, more flexible, more adaptable thinkers. How do you do that with the three ingredients of plan B? First, you're getting the kid's concern on the table. Boy, kids are so accustomed to having their concerns blown off the table with plan A. With plan B, you're getting the kid's concern on the table. That, For many kids, that's a new experience. You mean you're actually interested in my concern? Here I thought you were about to blow my concern off the table again because you've been using plan A all along. You're trying to get my concern on the table? Cool. Now let me give some thought to what my concern is because... You've never asked me about my concern before, so it, I might, gotta, I might think of, have to think about this a little bit. The empathy step of plan B is where you're gathering information so as to achieve the clearest possible understanding of the kid's concern or perspective on a given unsolved problem. Maybe he's never thought about it before, but boy, that empathy step sure can be clarifying because the kid probably didn't know what his concern was either. He'd been too busy pushing it away because we'd been so busy pushing it away when we're using plan A. In the define the problem step, you're getting your concern on the table. Now, one thing black and white thinkers, as well as a whole bunch of other challenging kids aren't too good at, is taking other people's concerns into account. But doesn't help them take other people's concerns into account if they're not real clear about what the other person's concern is. Because if we're not doing plan B, we may not be being very explicit about that. The define the problem step is where we are being explicit about that so that the kid is actually given the opportunity to think about our concern and to take it into account. Third ingredient the invitation, but really the brainstorming ingredient. Boy, there's a lot that goes on in the brainstorming ingredient. Um, this is where adult and child, or kid and kid, although no, we're, not, we're not talking about that right now, are brainstorming solutions so as to come up with one that is that addresses both concerns and that both parties can actually do. It gives kids and adults practice at doing something that we don't ordinarily get a whole lot of practice at doing. 
um, thinking, solving problems in a way that works for both parties, thinking about whether the solution truly addresses the concerns of both parties. Boy, kids don't get a whole lot of practice at that if, well, they don't get any practice at that if you're doing plan A. They only get practice at that if they're doing plan B. Adults don't get any practice at that if they're doing plan A. Adults get practice at that if they're doing plan B. How does a concrete, literal, black and white thinker get better at being gray and flexible and adaptable? They uh, learn about all of that when you're through the process of doing plan B with them. Cool, eh? Thought I'd uh, respond to some of the emails I've received over the past few weeks. I'm getting a lot of email these days. If you haven't heard back from me and you've emailed in the last week or two, I'm getting there. It's a, um, I'm, I'm ecstatic that people are emailing. I'm beside myself that people are going to the Lives in the Balance website using the contact form and asking me questions. A lot of pain out there, and it comes through in the emails, but there's also a lot of people who are trying so hard to do the right thing by their challenging kid and against some pretty stiff odds because, let there be no doubt, they, they may, not, may not be surrounded by other people who are familiar with and familiar with collaborative problem solving and are wearing the right lenses as it relates to challenging kids. But, of course, that's what Lives in the Balance is for. I created it so that it could help people learn about the collaborative problem-solving approach and uh, coming down the pike soon to begin advocating on the behalf of, did I say advocating? Hopefully not abdicating. Advocating on the part, on behalf of challenging kids and their adult caregivers. I can't think of a group of, well, there are other groups of people who need advocacy as much as challenging kids and their caregivers, but Boy, there's a population of humans who need to be advocated for challenging kids and their caregivers. Don't worry. Lives in the Balance is going to make sure that people are aware that there's a group out there that understands challenging kids and wants to make sure that our leaders do too because our leaders legislate, and sometimes our leaders legislate in ways that are contrary to the best interests of challenging kids and their caregivers. Here's an email. I'm not going to I'm going to scan through it cuz I don't want to include any identifying information. Dr. Green, I just got done reading The Explosive Child and I have a question. Um, you say that challenging episodes are highly predictable, but hers are unpredictable. With her, they're not. They're not predictable. Like homework and brushing her teeth or going to bed. She can do these things for one, two, three weeks at a time and be totally fine with it. And then we ask her the same thing in another 
on a different day, she explodes. How do you know how to talk with your child when you never seem to know what's going to set her off and when? I love the idea of proactive plan B, but I feel with her I'd be using emergency plan B all the time. But even with that, well, let me scan through this. I don't want to use any identifying information. But when I'm using emergency plan B, at that point, there's no talking to her. She meant, I agree, she mentally checks out and just repeats over and over again what she wants or is upset about. And you either have to walk away from her, which makes her really angry, and then she proceeds to throw things, or if you send her to her room, she really loses it. We are beyond frustrated. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. First of all, thanks for your email. Let me go back to the beginning part of the email, where it says, with her they are not... But then it says, like homework or brushing her teeth or going to bed, she can do these things for a few weeks at a time and be totally fine with it, and then we ask her the same thing another time and she explodes. Well, here's the good news. Homework and teeth brushing and going to bed are highly predictable. It's just that they're not causing challenging behavior 100% of the time. But I can't think of much that causes challenging behavior 100% of the time. We're not looking for unsolved problems that are causing challenging behavior 100% of the time because we probably won't find many. We're looking for unsolved problems that are setting in motion, that are heightening the likelihood of challenging behavior. Heightening the likelihood. So, in many families, uh, in many classrooms, but this is the family program, in many families the same thing doesn't set the kid off with 100% reliability. But what I'm reading is that homework heightens the likelihood of challenging behavior. Brushing her teeth heightens the likelihood of challenging behavior. Going to bed heightens the likelihood of challenging behavior. So now if we've downloaded the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems from the Lives in the Balance website in the paperwork section, we've got that in front of us, we're going to write homework, although we might want to be a little bit more specific than that because homework's pretty general. Teeth brushing, I'd say that's pretty specific, although we don't yet know why teeth brushing, what the child's concern or perspective is on why teeth brushing is so hard, but that's what the empathy step is for. We don't need to know that ahead of time. Going to bed, pretty specific, I'd say. Now, let's take it to the next step. Proactively, because in the next paragraph we learned why, in the case of this child as well as in the case of many, you don't want to be relying on emergency plan B. You want to be relying on proactive plan B. Let me reread you what happens when this mom does emergency plan B. Um, there's no talking to her at that point, I'm reading here. She mentally checks out and just repeats over and over what she wants or is upset about. And you either have to walk away from her, which makes her really angry, and then she proceeds to, th oh boy, throw things. And if you send her to a room, she really loses it. Yeah, that's, that's what happens when once a kid starts to lose it, we kick in with plan A and throw fuel on the fire. That plan A came after a valiant attempt, but at emergency plan B. On what I'm now 
classifying as highly predictable but not 100% reliable unsolved problems. Here's Now let's go to proactive plan B and see what these would sound like in the empathy step. And remember, empathy is not the main ingredient of the empathy step. Information gathering and understanding is. Let's start with brushing teeth. I've noticed sometimes teeth brushing can be very frustrating. What's up? Once again, that empathy step is where you're beginning with a neutral observation, usually with the words, I've noticed that, and then you're inserting an unsolved problem, teeth brushing, and finishing with an initial inquiry, what's up? working with a bunch of clinicians right now who are trying to implement collaborative problem solving, and I must say teeth brushing is not an uncommon conversation for them to be having, for them to be facilitating with a uh, challenging kid and their parent. Teeth brushing's up there on the this-is-not-so-uncommon list. What's the kid going to say next? Now, now we're going to practice something. Kids, sometimes after you've said what's up, after you've said what's up, there's one of four things is going to happen. The kid's going to say something. The kid's going to say nothing. That's number two. The kid's going to say, I don't know. That's possibility number three. The kid's going to respond defensively. That's possibility number four. Let's say the kid says something. A lot of adults are thrown off by the kid saying something that's very vague or very general or very generic. I just don't like it. Hmm. Many adults new to Plan B at that point feel stuck because the kid has said something, that's good. The kid hasn't run out of the room, that's good. The kid hasn't now sworn at us, that's good. But we still don't understand. That That's not tragic. That means we've got to do the next part of the empathy step. We've got to drill for information. Drilling. Drilling usually involves focusing on the who, what, where, and when of the unsolved problem. And if you had to prioritize one of those, I'd go with what. I've noticed that sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes you get frustrated about brushing your teeth. What's up? I just don't like it. What is it about teeth brushing that you don't like? Good. That's a nice clarifying question. I mean, truth is, there aren't all that many possibilities for what a kid's not going to like about teeth brushing. It could be that it's bad timing. It could be what you're taking the kid away from. It could be the taste of the toothpaste. It could be that the toothbrush in sensory hypersensitive kids is annoying them on their gums or on their teeth. It could be that cold water is making their teeth feel funny. Hard to say, but that's why we're asking what it is about teeth brushing that's hard, that's frustrating. And we'll keep asking what. I don't think that's a who, although it could be a who. We could also, by the way, in the empathy step, it's okay to find out why this is a problem under some conditions and not others. So it could sound like this. I don't know if this is what's going on in this particular family. Why is it a problem when I ask you to brush your teeth, but when your daddy asks you to, it's not a problem? Boy, I'd like that information. 
good information to have. Now, that could sound like daddy makes it fun, or it could sound like, because I know daddy's going to spank me if I don't. Mm. But at least we know. At least we understand. That's the goal of the empathy step, is to understand the kid's concern or perspective on a given unsolved problem. That's how it would sound. Homework, I'd want to pay closer attention to homework to see if I could make get a bit of a sense about what homework assignments are setting in motion challenging behavior. One reason that the kid may not be exhibiting challenging behavior over homework every time is because the assignments vary, and it's a particular type of assignment, perhaps one that involves a lot of reading, perhaps one that involves a lot of writing, perhaps one that involves a certain type of writing or spelling, perhaps a certain type of math problem. Not multiplication, but division. Some good what questions can be asked there, and also a good opportunity to ask why this is a problem under some conditions and not others. I guess the key point here is that these are highly predictable unsolved problems. It's just that they're not setting in motion challenging behavior 100% of the time. What would the empathy step sound like on going to bed? I've noticed that um, sometimes you get very upset when I tell you it's time to go to bed. What's up? Um, what, what if the kid says, I don't know, that's another possibility, or just sits there? Well, as you may have heard in other programs, if you've listened in on them, uh, I don't know or silence, number one, can mean that the kid doesn't know. You may never have asked before. Um, they may need some time to think, in which case you might want to say, take your time, we're not in a rush. What you wouldn't say, but what you might be thinking is, I'm glad I'm doing proactive plan B here because I wouldn't be able to say take your time if this was emergency plan B because we'd all already be hot. The heat's already up. That's why we're doing proactive plan B. It's calmer. It's better timing. It does require planning. That's sometimes the hard part. In some very busy families, I sometimes hear that we don't have time to do proactive plan B. Well, now, there's an unsolved problem all by itself. You don't have time to sit down with your kid for 15 minutes a day to solve problems that are reliably and predictably setting in motion challenging behavior. That's telling us something. That's telling us something about busy and how busy's getting in the way of stuff that probably more important than all that stuff we're busy doing. We're going to give the kid time to think if they don't know or if they're just sitting there. There are some kids who don't have the language skills to tell us what's getting in their way, but that's actually not most. To be perfectly honest with you, the main reason kids don't talk, and sometimes I'll hear about a kid who, quote-unquote, won't talk in the empathy step. The main reason kids don't talk is because they, because the adults haven't been neutral in that neutral observation. They sprinkled a little plan A on top of their observation, and the kid started getting defensive right away, and then the kid wouldn't talk to you. Or 
the unsolved problem you were trying to talk with the kid about was too vague, and he really didn't understand what you were asking in the first place and therefore couldn't give you any information. Here's a vague unsolved problem. I don't recommend it. I've noticed we haven't been getting along too good lately. What's up? Too vague. You're going to get a shrug or an I don't know. Or worse. What if the kid responds defensively? I don't have to talk to you. You're not my boss. I don't have to do what you say. Wow. Sounds like he's expecting plan A. Sounds like he thinks you're doing plan A. If this is an early attempt at plan B, then there's an and what you've been doing all along is plan A, then there's an excellent likelihood, just because history has taught the kid well, that what you're doing is plan A. It may take him a while to recognize that you're on a completely different playing field here. So how do you respond to the defensive response? You can't tell me what to do. I actually wasn't planning on telling you what to do. I don't have to talk to you. No, you do not have to talk to me. I no way for me to make you talk to me. I'm just trying to understand. I'm just trying to understand what's getting in the way for us on this unsolved problem. So this email is a great um, example. Uh, not, not great like I'm glad this mom is struggling, but my uh, antidote for people struggling is to help them struggle less. Those are highly predictable unsolved problems. They can be handled with proactive plan B. And we can find out in that empathy step where we're gathering information so as to understand why the problem occurs under some conditions and not others. We're not going to get that information if we're doing plan A. going to read one other email. Actually, let me check back at the switchboard and see if we have any calls. We don't today. I didn't plan for any. Um, those of you who listened to the last program, we actually are busy uh, creating a mechanism for me to actually interview the uh, boy that uh, the mom on the last program was talking about, who, who we've heard is having trouble giving information in the empathy step. Um, I'm going to try to talk with him this week and record it and then edit it and then play it during next week's program. So we've got a nice example of Plan B recorded. And who knows, I, I may not have great success. He's never met me, and it's not going to be in person, so we'll find out. But maybe... Just maybe it will give a good example of what Plan B can sound like with a kid who it's not so easy to get information out of. Here's another email. Uh, I'm not going to read it directly because there's some identifying information in there, and I'm very careful about identifying information. I want people to feel free to email and to feel like they're not going to be identified um, this is a mom who's emailing about um, how she's doing Plan B. And this email relates to a problem that sometimes people run into in the brainstorming ingredient. 
This mom is um, getting her daughter's concerns on the table on a variety of unsolved problems and then giving the daughter choices on how the problem can be solved. That's a different model. That's not collaborative problem solving. So let me clarify that. Um, if the adult is giving choices, first of all, the kid isn't getting any practice at generating solutions. And while it's not, by any stretch of the imagination, catastrophic for a parent or an adult caregiver to be generating potential solutions in the brainstorming ingredient of Plan B, choices tend to have much more of a Plan A flavor to them. And if the choices are presented as that's it, rather than as proposals, that's what I'd rather call them, proposals, and if they don't take into account the concerns of both parties, this is not Plan B. You've left the Plan B territories and you're using somebody else's model. The solutions, remember, these aren't choices, these are solutions, these are potential proposals if the adult is generating them. They have to be mutually agreed upon. And what's happening is the kid is not agreeing to any of the choices and the parent is, by giving the kid a finite number of potential choices, and by not inviting the kid to solve the problem together, the parent's choices are causing challenging behavior because that's what happens next after the choices. Uh, collaborative problem solving isn't about giving kids choices. It's about collaboratively solving a problem together. Hope that clears that up. Now, I've read about choices. That's a different model. That's sort of, that's sprinkling a very heavy dose of plan A into plan B, and the combination of the two actually doesn't work. Plan B is three ingredients. Choices is not one of the three ingredients. Potential proposals, if the potential proposals from the adult caregiver, great. Collaborating on solutions, great. Choices, no. It's not about giving kids choices. Hope all that's helpful to you. On that note, I think we're going to call it a day for collaborative problem solving at home. Um, once again, I'm scurrying about trying to set the stage to do plan B over the phone with a kid who, uh, and we'll record it, so we can play it next week and see if we can provide a nice example for people of what plan B could sound like. Um, in the meantime, I truly do hope you found the program to be useful today, and I hope you'll join in next week.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.